We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. As usual, stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all of the show notes are over at theentrepreneurethos.com. As always, thanks for listening. Now, on to my guest for today, David Perry, co-founder and CEO of Caro, an e-commerce networking company that is upending e-commerce by bringing together brands and influencers to work together to increase sales. David is a serial entrepreneur who started out in the video game design industry. He grew up in Northern Ireland but left at a young age to go work in the video game industry, eventually ending up in California. Some of his most successful ventures in video games were those that paired up with well-known brands, the first of which being a game featuring the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. After starting his own company, he experienced this phenomenon from the other side when a character his company created for a game was licensed out for other products. He later was involved in a game associated with the Matrix movies. With Caro, David has brought his understanding of the importance of branding to the world of e-commerce. Dave explains that after quote-unquote retiring from the video game industry, he just wanted to learn how to do various things and explore questions. He noticed that his daughter was very loyal to particular brands of clothing and wondered how to get influencers and brands to do more for each other. The basic premise of Caro is that it gives brands the ability to connect their inventory with influencers and gives influencers the ability to sell products without losing the customers to another platform. They now have over 30,000 brands connected through the Shopify platform so influencers can, and partners can sell inventory from other brands right in their online store. Now, let's get better together. David Perry, welcome to the podcast. Great to meet you. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, thanks for being on. You are the co-founder and CEO of Caro, which we were talking a little bit about uh, beforehand. And it's this really interesting idea of how to, I guess, completely shatter and blow up the affiliate model for, for good, not for bad. <laughs> we don't want to, obviously we want yeah. to not, you know, we want people to make money, but you know, anyway, well, we'll talk more about that, but you've got a, just a great history in the video game industry, startups, all sorts of things like that, which I'm super fascinated to dig into. Um, but before we get into that, as I always like to say, tell us how you got to do what you're doing today. Yeah, it's funny. After all these years of entrepreneurship, I'm still smiling. That's probably a good <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. Yeah, if you're still smiling, maybe it's still good for you. Uh, it's a good sign. Um, yeah, no, I, I grew up in, in Northern Ireland, and I actually got really interested in the video game industry. And so you can imagine I'm in a very formal school and there's not, there's not video games at the time where we're like just this new thing. And 
my teachers just didn't understand what I was doing and why I'd want to do it. Um, but I, I, I decided to move to leave high school and go straight to a job in England. So I didn't, I didn't get a degree. I didn't finish college. I didn't go to college. Um, no need for any of that. The video game industry was on fire and I was going to be a piece of it. And it seemed to me pretty smart to move to England. Like that's where the action was. Um, I kind of got it wrong because it was definitely big there, but it was much bigger in America. And so you, you understand why my accent is completely gone now um, because I decided to move to America. But the, the, the big secret for me was I learned that, that um, branding matters. So when you're making video games, there's a lot of them, there's thousands getting released every year. And when you, um, when you make a video game, you know, called Jumpy Boy, you've got a problem now because you've got to convince everybody to play Jumpy Boy and it's going to cost a lot of money, millions of dollars these days. Back then, not millions of dollars, but it was um, it was hard. So one of the first games I got to make was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when it was really hot. And immediately I had a number one hit. And so I realized it's not, the, the game's obviously important, but the 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 branding is in the game industry was really, really interesting. And so, of course, I fought this and kept trying to make other games. And I did. I made lots and lots of games over time. But uh, I'd get these interesting situations would arise. Uh, I got a call. Would you like to come to America to make a game for McDonald's? Because it's an emergency and we need this right away. And just get on a plane. Whatever you're earning, we'll pay you more. Uh, we'll give you royalties. We'll get you an apartment. Whatever you need, just get on a plane and come to America. And so... I, when I got out here, um, we made this game for McDonald's, and um, and you know even that was interesting because uh, we we made a game that we wanted to make for McDonald's, and uh, they the McDonald's executives hated it, and so they they're like, "Where's where's Ronald McDonald?" <laughs> and we're like, "We don't like Ronald. <laughs> There's no Ronald in the game." Ooh. They're like he has to be in the game. Yeah, so, I mean he's Ronald McDonald. It's McDonald. Yeah, we sort of stuck him at the end of the level, waving a flag, and um, and that was it. Um, and we shipped the game, and the game won Game of the Year and Best Music of the Year and Best Graphics wow. of the Year. And so the question was, what do I do? Do I go back to to England, in my little house in England, or do I stay in California and and sort of embrace this new future? And uh, and that's what I did. And we ended up. Um, we got um, the rights to Aladdin from Disney and Disney said to us, would you like to um, use Disney feature animation uh, to do your animation? Now, can you imagine that you're in the game industry, you're an animator and you're trying to compete against Disney feature animation. It was so unfair. So when we launched the game, you know, people were like, this animation's incredible. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Disney. Uh, yeah. It was, and so that game um, uh, did really well as, as well. So, so over time, we realized, you know, it's a small group of people making these games. Um, why don't we just go do this ourselves? Um, so uh, I started a company called Shiny Entertainment with some of the guys. And um, and we basically, uh, we it was an interesting thing because um, there was a company called Playmates Toys that make um, that they they made the toys for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and so they were actually interested in sort of working out some kind of deal. And uh, and I said, look, if you fund my company, I'll uh, uh, we as a group will make games for you. And so we we then started looking at licenses. What are we going to do? And we ended up deciding to actually just make a game based on a character one of our um, animators had created called Earthworm Jim. And um, and Earthworm Jim ended up becoming a TV show and a toy line and all kinds of stuff. So it was kind of an interesting time. We had gone from licensing in brands from other people to creating something that licensed out. And um, and so we learned that whole side of the business as well. But um, it, in a way, it's still branded, but this time you own it. We had, uh, you know, like Carl's Jr. Happy Meals and things like that with Earthworm Jim figurines. Um, so we sort of learned that whole, whole piece of it. But... Um, we still always went back to trying to make our own properties, um, you know, for PC and things like that. And, and, and um, in the end, um, the, one of the big ones we did was the matrix. So when the matrix was at its peak, um, the, <laughs> you know, the, it, it was actually, sorry, what happened was before the matrix. So this was before anyone had heard the word matrix. I get this call. Would you like to come to Hollywood and, and talk about this, this uh, new property starring Keanu Reeves. And, um, and I, 
I went up and I met with Joel Silver, who's the producer of the movie, an executive producer. And, um, and I, I, at the time I was very busy cause we had so much going on. And, and so I'm, I'm just not sure they, they, they had nothing really to show me. Um, and they, and you know, you can't tell that you're, you're, you've got the matrix on your hands. So I ended up passing on it. And so we kept going, we kept doing the other projects we were working on. And then I went to see the matrix. So I'm sitting in the theater with my wife and she's like, this is a really good movie. <laughs> but like, Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, I'm dying here. So, so then I get a call. Would you like to do, um, uh, you know, the second movie? Um, and, and you can imagine what, what my answer was. Hell yes. And so we actually got to make the game at the peak. If you think about it, when the, when the hype was at its, at its max and, um, you know, we had a big, big launch and green carpet and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, it was fun. The game industry is is just the best. And and, and so long story short, um, my final sort of thing in the game industry was thinking about the future of it. Where is it going and what could we do? And I have this um, I have this thing that I do where you, you think about any kind of problem and keep thinking of yeah, but if you built that, how would you beat it? So I know you're thinking of building this thing, but if you did, how would you beat that? Like if you were if you were a competitor, and then you say, well, how would I beat that? And how would I beat that? Until you run out of ideas, and um, and so we did that with the game industry. Um, if you think about it, all um, all movies and music and everything is is streaming. Even books, you can you know just digitally download. So the idea of having every book ever on your device, everywhere you go is a pretty real future for us. Um, same with m- all movies and TV shows and music. So why not video games? Why can't we have every video game ever made everywhere instantly? And that's how we defined, I can't think of how to beat that. If you had every game ever made everywhere instantly at a decent price, uh, how would you beat that? <laughs> and we're like, I don't think we can beat that. So let's do that. And we started building the technology to pull that off. And when people saw it working, um, then they got pretty excited about that you know that potential future and so sony bought our our company um and and that was and it's being built into the playstation it's called playstation now and and the thing that's interesting it's in the playstation there's millions of people paying for it but in reality it's just the beginning because um to some extent you won't be need to buy hardware anymore like you won't need to buy um more and more consoles um into the future and what comes from the cloud should be much more powerful than you would have ever been willing to pay so you could yeah. technically today play playstation 8 from the cloud um on a playstation 5 um and, and there's nothing to technically stop you pulling that off right. so that's really where things wow. are going crazy so that was fun so then i I, I got this huge warehouse, um, which I turned into a man cave. It took me about three years just putting everything in there. It's it's everything. It's just all kinds of like woodworking and metalworking. And I, I sort of had this epiphany that I love to learn. Um, and I sort of went, well, I want to learn how to do everything. I want to learn how to weld and I want to learn how to do, you know, proper professional photography and things like that. So I, I built this place and I started taking photographs um, of people. And I realized that, that that no one really cares about my photography, but if you take pictures of influencers, they do. And so I started getting influencers coming in. I would take their pictures and they'd bring their friends. And so you started to realize the power of these people when you get them in a group or we'd go out to dinner and you sort of talk about what's it like to be an influencer. And in reality, they, they all love it. And it's the, it's the thing they want to do and be, but they kind of are frustrated. They don't get to work with the brands that they love. And so this is a real problem for me because I'm trying to retire, right? I'm done. <laughs> yeah, please. I'm done. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there going, that's got to be solvable. There's got to be a way to get, you know, influence the right influencers and brands to, 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 to sort of connect. Um, and I realized that as well with my daughter, because my daughter buys clothes from certain brands. And if if some other brand reached out to her, it would be meaningless. But if one of these top three reached out to her, it would melt her brain because that would be so exciting. It's like, I love this brand. Um, so I get it. And I, I ended up in a, an inter- interesting situation where um, I was trying to help students from the side of an, an investor. And I... I there was an entrepreneur, his name's James, uh, Jason Goldberg. And Jason was in, in this room with students as the entrepreneur. And we had to get in the same room and try to help 
these students and it forced Jason and myself to sort of meet and talk. And I was thinking, and he was building tech to try to um, get brands to work with influencers. So you can imagine this was a rather fascinating conversation. This, this must have been like the epiphany on the epiphany. You're yeah, like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. I was thinking just this. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're, we're like, we need to talk. And we, we got on a whiteboard and we sort of realized that to do this right would be a big, 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 big monster task to, to, to plan for scale. Um, and to think about, you know, the data and, and what you could use the data for to help brands grow. And so, um, we just started building and investors got behind us. Um, and, um, and we, you know, we got brands installing and you gotta remember these brands are installing our prototypes, just seeing, you know, as we, as we're working, they're installing yeah. it. We're yeah, trying yeah, yeah. They go. So we have over 30,000 brands now using wow. tech. Wow. Um, but they they want this to happen, and influencers yeah. want this to happen too, um, because it sort of shakes up the paradigm of um, of the relationships brand to brand. And I think of an influencer as a brand too, like they yeah. really legitimately. Well, they are for sure. Yeah. And I would argue that 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 I don't think brands realize it, but they're actually influencers. So you know, influencers are brands and brands are influencers. And so these guys all need to work together. There's a, there's a incredible partnerships there. Oh yeah. Um, and for so, sure. for sure. but, but brand to brand um, is, is, is really the, the core focus of the tech. So what Cairo does is it actually wires the two brands together um, and it's like dating. So they have to opt in. So just to be clear, you can't just work with anybody. You have to actually right. say, you know, do you like me? Yes. I like you. So we work together. Yes. What we then do is wire the two brands together and they can literally sell each other's inventories. And that sounds a bit dull, like, oh, I'm gonna sell other people's inventories. That doesn't sound terribly exciting. But what it but what it actually means is that if I'm selling um, bicycles and someone else is selling helmets, I can now have their helmets in my store at zero cost, no warehouse space needed, no risk whatsoever. I don't have to guess what sizes, I don't have to guess what colors. All of their inventory is my inventory, and and uh, and and you can imagine day one you immediately grow your sales because now you'll start selling helmets with your with your uh, your bikes. It increases your average order value, which is a, a critical metric in e-commerce. Um, and if you think about it, the more that you get paid by a buyer, um, you know the, the sort of the overall basket. Uh, the, or the amount of revenue can, you can generate from from a single visitor helps you with your marketing costs. So it gives you more money to go out and acquire customers. Um, and so it's very, very healthy to do. So the question you ask yourself is, what am I not selling? Like, what what is it that my customers are going to leave my store and buy yeah, somewhere else? buy somewhere else, right. I mean, that's the power of like Amazon, I think. Like, yeah. That's the reason why it's such a an amplification. And to do this for brand e-commerce brands where there's this adjacency like well i'm not really don't really want to do like to your example like have all these helmets and stuff but clearly people are going to want a helmet a lock i mean you can just imagine but just think you could partner with the best helmet maker the best yeah. you know and not have to worry about it that's yeah well, let's see that's pretty a good, a good example is super 73 electric bikes right yeah. they're a wonderful really great electric bike company um, and they're on Cairo and thousand helmets is on Cairo. A thousand helmets is a really great uh, helmet company. And then the two connect together and they can sell their helmets. It's, it's effortless. Um, and so there's no limit to the scale of that. Uh, we have really interesting ones. There's a company called Blendjet. I, I guarantee you've seen their ads somewhere on the internet, but they make a blender that's portable. Yeah. And so you press a button and it blends and you just drink. So you're always drinking a blended drink. It doesn't settle. Like, you know, you're not drinking the settled glass version so the blender is the cup in a way which is super smart um they've sold uh, i believe sold like nine figures worth of of uh of these blenders now and so they're a consumer electronics company but it's a great question how do you make money from what goes in the blender and the answer is well you're going to build all these warehouse uh, you know spaces and and fill it up with with all these different um protein powders and oat milks and all the rest of it. And then they're like, but we don't have refrigerated warehousing. We don't really want to get into that business. How can we do this? The answer is just connect those brands to yours. So now you can have all of these different products in an unlimited way. 
um, in a marketplace. And, and honestly, Blendjet made us think a little differently. They added subscriptions, which we didn't even think of. Yes. So now you're selling a subscription to these items that go in your blender that you really like. And so they have the recurring revenue as well. So yes. the fact is there, there's no risk to doing this. If, if it doesn't sell, it doesn't cost a dollar. So in reality, they can they can um, grow their business almost infinitely. There's another great example is gear.com. So gear.com, um, I was just thinking about this the other day, the, the idea of you building a brand, it's a lot of work. Like to build gear.com is a lot of work. And, and you know, if you have investors, you want them to, you want to, make sure to, to really lean in and grow this brand. Um, how cool if you can then have products from partner brands that you can work with and offer more and more and more inventory every day. They could add products every single day um, and not have any financial risk at all to your investors. Um, it's pretty cool. So the way that works is when you make a sale, you're getting, it's, it's kind of, the reason it's kind of disruptive to affiliates is because in the in the old days, if you sold like a GoPro and GoPro is going to ship it, GoPro is going to give you two and a half percent of the sale, and then they keep the customer. Right. Right. In, in this scenario, no, no, you're the retailer, so you get the full retail cut, which is usually twenty to fifty percent, right. and most importantly, you own the customer. And yeah, so, well, that, that that's what I was going to ask you about. I mean, that is so powerful in the world of you know cookie lists, the cookie apocalypse trust and you know the tr- you need trust now like uh all sorts of gdpr you know a lot of that third party stuff's going to be arbitraged out i mean it's already happening and the best way is owning the customer i mean like if you can interact with them it's like it, this reason why newsletters are so powerful right i own the customer i they they opted in and so being able to gosh such a good idea <laughs> and no one else is doing this you guys are the first or well, I, that's what's so shocking to me is I laugh because I'm like, you know, here I am from the game industry yeah. messing around in e-commerce. What am I doing in e-commerce? <laughs> this, this is all buttoned up by now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but everywhere I look in e-commerce, there's opportunity. It's yeah. it's remarkable. Every direction. We, we literally, um, uh, our business e- evolved in the last, I would argue, the last uh, four or five months significantly because we we now have so many products um um i don't get too technical on it because it gets it gets a little complicated but but there's a taxonomy problem in in e-commerce which no brands agree on what a category of anything is Mm -hmm. every store makes it up as they go along so if you can imagine um, across all the Shopify stores, they're all categorized differently. Um, and then you go, well, what about Magento and Big Commerce? And oh, they're all different. Yes. So what we've done is we've created tech to, to 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 basically ingest all of the products and then go through them all um, with machine learning and computer vision, trying to work out what they really should have been tagged as. And then we have a team in the Philippines with 20 people full-time just training the machine learning. Wow. Uh, you know, to correct mistakes that it makes. Um, but that then gives us the ability of millions of products. So what actually occurred is once we got this working and now you have this level playing field, now we have enterprise companies coming to us saying, you know, we need lot, we, we need lot, like Univision. We now power selling on Univision. That, that's the number one Latin American TV network. They have their own QVC style thing, <laughs> but they need products. So, <laughs> yeah. so suddenly we're doing that. Um, and now uh, this week we're, we're, they're going to be putting shop.univision.com on their um, on their main uh, site, and wow. so this idea of of powering um, commerce and we have loads of these deals, by the way. And so right. we're creating all of these what we're calling now uh, omni-channel outlets for a brand who's already in our network. So would you like to be on TV for free? Like there's no cost. There's not. We're not. There's no yeah. advertising fee or something like that. You just have to give um a, a deal that they want to actually run with and and so and then we have lots of media sites this week we're launching merch sites you know so the the um influencers are are starting to realize that that followers are great but customers are better and so it's very important that they start to grow a customer database not just a, a you know a number a follower. So, so interesting. So as say you're an influencer, okay. And you like Mr. Beast is probably a really good example of this. 
Maybe, maybe not. But he he created his own Mr. Beast Burgers chain. Like he's monetizing these customers. So let's just say, you know, I'm an influencer and I want to, and I've got either a product or something, or I want to build a my own shop. Literally, I could just pick and choose the curated list of things that I like, which is, I think this is the cool thing is that it's a, the influencer is curating these things. So you, if you trust the brand, clearly that, that trust goes a long way. I think it's almost like, it's probably the ultimate referral, right? Like, oh, well, we like these things. You may like them too, right? Is that kind of the way it would work for an influencer as an example? Yeah, Mr. Beast's a great example. So he's, you know, he's making Feastables chocolate now um, and he's selling a lot of chocolate. And the what happens is today, influencers tend to accept some kind of coupon relationship. I'll take this code mm-hmm. and I'll tell everyone to type this code in. Then they get then they get a, a a small percentage of the sales, but they don't get to keep the customers. And so um that whole thing, I think, is gonna go away. Cause you can see like Mr. Beast wants customers. That's just yeah. where where that's that's where this goes. Kim Kardashian or Rihanna, the ones that have made billion dollar brands didn't do it by sending their sales to somebody else. Nope. Uh, they they have to at that point do it. So this idea of being able to then start to curate. Um, there, there's a, a TikToker, Zoe Laverne, we launched with recently. She has 20 million followers on TikTok. Um, wow. What it what it means is they're actually shopping for their shop, um, which is really cool. We have another one, Summer Ray. She's about 26 million on Instagram. She um, she they're, they're able to shop for their shop and choose the things that they want. But when they work with a brand. As they get bigger, like Summer Rae, at that point, they start the brands start to go, you know, they could work together. They could almost, if they wanted to, they could actually just test the relationship at no risk. You know, let's just see how this goes. And if we like each other, then yeah. let's make a custom version. So yeah. it would be very, very easy for that brand to then, uh, you know, make a special version for that influencer and really, really lock in that relationship. Wow. But Imagine you make something and you're working with an influencer today. Don't you want that product in their store? I'll yeah. tell you why. Because today when, when an influencer posts, you have to pay for every post. Like, oh, that's $30,000 right. to, to get that post. Right. But if you get your stuff in their store, they're driving traffic to their store for free for you for forever. Like, So as long as you can stay in their store, that's like hallowed ground. And so that's it's almost, yeah, it's almost like the shelf, the shelf space at Whole Foods. <laughs> it is. And, and they can't put like Whole Foods can't, can't do many products. They have, they have to curate. And that's what the influencer's job is. They can't put garbage in their store. They have to curate. And so if you're lucky enough to get in their store, you get their traffic for as long as that relationship exists. And you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay them the influencer fee at all. It's, it's, it's wow. awesome. Would, would this work for B2B stuff? Yes. Yes. So um, basically any, uh, you know, what's interesting is in theory, uh, there's more to it when you think about it. Cause this is, this is what the fun conversations I end up having where, you know, there was um, an investor said, would you speak to this person? Uh, they, they sell emergency calls with a vet. So they have an app and I'm mm-hmm. thinking doesn't, that doesn't work in our paradigm because we're, you know, Shopify to Shopify currently and someday in the future, I will connect other things together. But um, emergency call with a vet, hmm, I'll take the call. Um, and I spoke to the lady and she said, look, I have this problem. The vets keep recommending products and I don't want to actually have any warehouse filled with, you know, dog beds and all the rest of it. So, you know, could you help us with that? And I'm like, well, actually we could. Um, this is very interesting, but there's one other thing is, the emergency call with a vet, that's not a product, but that's an experience. But there's nothing to stop that becoming a SKU. So you could create a SKU that is an emergency call with a Shopify vet store, yep. Uh-huh. And just push it into all the pet stores. Like we can help you with that right now. You wanna you wanna you wanna have that? Wow. And then you, you can create like bundles. So we have bundle tech as well. So you can put multiple products into one bundle. And so you could have new puppy bundle and it comes with an emergency call to the vet. This is once you start to think about but what experiences are there in the world and why aren't they skews today? This is what you see when you're saying, you know, uh, you know, isn't this done already? I can't tell you how much there isn't done already. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, cause I, you know, my day job, I do a lot of B2B sales enablement and marketing and go to market strategy. And, you know, it's, it's for complex sales and everything. But what's interesting is that anytime we're doing like a SaaS product, just as an example, 
usually there needs to be multiple tools to hook to a SaaS product to build a solution that, that actually solves the customer problem or is that a huge benefit? I mean, there's, you could just, there's never a tool in a vacuum is what I always think. And what's interesting is that I have not seen that I can, re- that I can actually, I can't remember it where a, a B2B company would bundle like, oh, you want to use our tool? These are the five tools we recommend. Yes. I have never seen that. Or if I've seen it, it's sort of siloed. But it's interesting because that model is a little bit different. It's not really a store, but you could see having a store or an integration or, you know, they usually usually do it through integrations, right? Yeah. Well, we built it that we built the tech initially so that an influencer can create their all day skincare regime. And it could Mm. be five different brands and a brush from somebody else and whatever, or uh, it doesn't matter that combination with one click, the, our tech just handles it and, and, uh, and and uh, and sells the the collection. It allows an influencer to sell, um, you know, the sunglasses with the bag with the whatever else. And what we found is that look, yeah. when you look at the comments, when an influencer posts something, um, very commonly they're trying to sell the sunglasses, but you see them like, oh my god, I love this bag, and and they obsess over the other things in the image. So they're actually looking at everything in the image when they're when they're being influence in a way and it's because they love this person but they also love their taste and they want to have things in that style and these these influencers um sometimes find really really incredible i it's happened to me where i'm looking at someone and go i love the the swim shorts and then i'm like yeah i start going where do i get i, I really would love to get a pair of those swim shorts but i don't know how to and, yeah and that happens all the t- all the time probably one of the biggest epiphanies is um there was this thought on merch um that it has to have the name of the the band on it, for example. And it's always been that way. And it creates a huge problem for them because that means they have to make all this sort of junk. Um, and, you know, it's gonna all sell. these plastic things and they don't know if it's going to sell. And they're, right. they have all of it in their warehouses. And did they get yeah. the right sizes and ages? Because you got to get rid of it because you need new stuff. So they have, the, the, the merch companies are taking on that all the time. Like, what are all these little chat keys that they could sell to you? Right. And, um, and they don't want to, they want to have good margins, et cetera. It's quite a hard business. And so the idea, um, when you look at someone like Bono, it doesn't have to say Bono on his glasses. When you read the comments, everyone's like, what sunglasses brand is that? I love those glasses, right? And And so... That that concept, I think, is changing, which is this idea of being a tastemaker, mm-hmm. um, um, which, again, I, I I would argue brands are becoming, too, um, as they, I think they have to. I think they have to. I think you're right. Yeah. As they as they do that, um, it's more about having the, 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 you know, it's about the curation more than it is about slapping a name on it um, and, you know, getting people to want it and yeah. get guess who's good at that is is uh is influencers and brands yeah so we keep seeing like makeup companies that don't sell brushes and you'll say to them why don't you sell brushes and 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 the answer is because we don't make brushes (laughs) that's not what we do we make makeup and it's like yeah but you need brushes too and and so who's your favorite brush brand i think it's it's like it's almost like the virtual vertical integration almost right where you could just go every layer and not have to have the products, but then partner with the best brush, as you're an example, the best makeup brush person or company, the best, you know, whatever, you know, hair band thing to put your hair back. So when you put your makeup on or whatever, wow. Ah, this it's the wild west. It really is. I want, I mean, I, st- I think you can do this for B2B <laughs> for sure. Like when I talk about the SAS tools, no one, no one has, this is a curated list of SaaS tools for your solution stack. Yeah. No so we have, we're onboarding enterprise deals as fast as we possibly can right now. Like they're, we're buried in, in deals. So it's, it, I, I just need more engineers at this point. <laughs> and yeah. what, what's the next after uh, Shopify, what, what sort of, are you going to build your own platform or how, how is that going to work? Cause I got to believe like, pl- like, Plugging into something like this, I mean, you could almost do it. Well, I mean, eventually you'll probably build your own sort of Shopify. Well, maybe not. You don't have to comment on that if they're listening. But I mean, how, how, how's the evolution of this work? Well, if if you think about it, the, the thing that's profoundly different from everything that exists today is that the the brands help each other. 
Um, today, what happens is everyone stands alone in e-commerce. This is on every platform. So Magento, BigCommerce, WooCommerce, they're all standing alone. Um, you build your store, and then you have to go get, buy clicks and get traffic to your store. And that's very expensive and very hard. And because of the privacy changes that Apple has made recently, um, advertising is getting harder and more expensive. Um, and so you start saying to yourself, well, there's got to be another way. What does Amazon do? Well, Amazon um, solves that problem for you because it brings the attention to you, but then they keep all the customers. So now you don't own any customers. And at some point, Amazon will compete with you if you're if you're doing well. So yep. you can see they're taking over every category with mm-hmm. private label. So um, Amazon is an awesome platform, um, amazing. Um, but um, you know, if you're making white socks on Amazon, you've got a problem at some point, they're going to come and knock at your door. So, um, so what exists other than standing alone on the internet and having to do absolutely every click yourself and having somewhere like Amazon where you just don't own any customers. When you leave Amazon, you leave without customers. So, um, the concept is, well, what if we could get an organism going where you have, let's say a million brands and they're all collaborating and helping each other as a, as a new network. And, um, and the idea that they're all in this together, there's no, we're not competing with any of them. So we're not making any products at all. We're like a, a we're like a, a switchboard in a way, like wiring everybody together so they can yeah, do yeah. it. But the thing that it gives us the power to do someday is to negotiate as a network. And I quite like the idea of being able to, to have a conversation with FedEx with a million brands behind me. Um, you know, we'd like to talk about the shipping here and let's see if let's we can talk logistics. Yeah. See if we can get the cost on the things that they really care about. Um, we, really, you, you start to yield, you know, sort of have this major, that if you're just, this is my, where my brain starts to go. This does not mean that this is the future. Um, it's just the sort of thing that I wish that existed, that, that there was some place that you could start a business and immediately have products and attention without having to, to, to spend all of your investment money, just trying to pull people to your, your site. And then in the future, yeah. I, think, I think there's going to be more sales um, uh, directly in social media. So that's going to be a piece of it too, is, is um, this sort of um, merging everything together so that you don't have to keep moving people around. I think moving people on the internet is an expensive and difficult challenge. Um, and the more that we can bring the commerce to it's, we refer to it as commerce to the edge. So you bring commerce to the edge of the network, wherever the, wherever people are, whatever they're doing, they're watching, they're watching Univision right now. Boom. Bring the commerce to them. That's, that's really, I think the future of e-commerce. Yeah. And you, so you just got to really worry about could you compete on instead of being able to mass a lot of money to bring the eyeballs and all that you really compete on brand building and quality products, you know, kind of, yeah. I mean, it's more, yeah. Cause that, I mean, you, you talk to any SaaS company as an example, I'm just using that as an example in a lot of their VC money is all rolled into getting eyeballs to try their tool or, you know, subsidizing the thing where why not use that money to build you know, build it. Right. And of course there's a certain, I think, you know, there's obviously a certain layer of uh, table stakes for that. I mean, gotta be quality or whatever, but I mean, boy, to have, to have the ability to see if something works quickly, you know, within, within a context that's not, that's that everyone's sort of not beholden to the network of advertisers or people with their advertising networks that the most money wins. It's more what you should be doing, brand building, quality product. That's very, wow. And and to practice your advertising, can you make a good TikTok uh, user-generated content advert that really is believable and converts? Try it. No cost, right? Yeah. You'll have to pay f- to, to do the test. You don't have to spend much to test on TikTok, yeah. right? You can now see... If I had these products, could I sell them? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I remember years ago hearing once about the idea. Someone said, I think it was, I, I, I have this memory. It came from someone at Intel, but was the idea was to build a, a website where you just have the buy button on it. And if you click the buy button, it says, we're sorry, um, you know, we're, 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 we're not 
the, the products aren't available just yet, but but we'll uh, you know you'll get them with a discount or just just give us your email address. But all you're doing is just monitoring clicks on the buy button. Um, and so the the it was such a uh, an interesting concept was if you can't get clicks on that buy button, thank God you didn't start this business, right? Like that you didn't go make that product. So the first thing people start doing is like you know they'll start. Um, building some product that they don't know that anybody wants or that they have any ability to sell, right? Yep. So is there any way you can get around that? And I've heard such great stories over time with people sort of getting it wrong and then realizing, you know, they'll, 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 there was one I heard once, um, someone was thought that they could sell electric bikes or electric scooters to uh, students. That was the thought. You know, students need to get around. Scooters are perfect. I'll right. just lots of electric scooters and and this is going to be great and then the students didn't want them and uh and and then you've got this panic you know that you've spent your money and now what are you going to do and uh in in the end the, the this the way that story worked out was they they ran i think a craigslist ad or something like that um that 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 basically teased people to call them and when they called they would say to them um you know, um, I'm sorry, this isn't real. Uh, we're, we're, I'm a student and I'm just trying to to collect some data. Would you mind answering a couple of questions? And so it turned out that people, the only, the only scooter anyone wanted was a Vespa scooter, not some, you know, scooter from China that was obviously really cheap. They wanted right. a Vespa. And, uh, and so they came up with this idea, uh, you know, just listening to the customers and what they would click buy on is they want to try one to see if they like it. And if they like it, then what you know you put a deposit down of you know just to try it for like 500 bucks or something you'll get the scooter if you like it then uh you'll get that discount when you sell it was just a very interesting idea because then the phone went crazy with people wanting to do that yes so they found the business which you can do before you buy any scooters um and i just love that kind of thinking so you know um otherwise you can you can get yourself in a lot of trouble and yeah uh, and 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 I, I've heard, I've had friends do this where they'll put a landing page up and see what happens. Oh yeah, no, you know, they'll get charged. Oh, sorry, we don't have it. We're out of stock. And then, you know, yeah. oh, there's demand. They'll run some traffic to it, right? Um, maybe a little nefarious in, in some sense, but also look, look, I got to test this. I'm not going to buy all these things. What do I know? It does look like that more. Yeah. I mean, how would I put this? It's like building what people want before you have to put the huge amount of effort into it. And you could definitely test this sort of thing with what you're doing. You know, have bundles of, you know, like build your influence and then really figure out, Hey, I've got customers for certain things. What else would they want? I think that's what Mr. Beast was doing as an example, right? Oh, they want burgers. I'll build burgers. They want chocolate. I mean, the guy's like what? 24, 25. I mean, it's moving with the times because he's using the ghost kitchen idea. So idea that you don't have to um you know you can basically lease the space that you need when you need it um is is marvelous i mean he's he's cutting edge i mean um i i love mr beast and i love what he does um so amazing in a way we're cheering him along but um but yeah this is for brands that are out there what actually happens is they all know each other. So the really good CEOs of a brand, it's like a, an old boys network. They all know each other. Right. And, um, and so they say, Oh, I want to, I want to connect with this brand or that brand. Cause they already, and so they end up bringing them to our platform. So we don't need to even know that brand. They just install along with their friend. We've seen 10 to one um, with that, where they'll wow. end friends with them. Wow. They want to be in business with immediately. So they want to start selling each other's products immediately. Um, and that is really helpful for our network to grow um, as they, as they wow. do. 10 to one. Yep. That's pretty explosive. I mean, that, that, that just, man, insane, insane. And, and how long you guys been, been doing this for? We actually started um, the influencer piece um, back in 2017. It was a, when I first joined. So um, we basically did a restart and got started having a he was my my co-founder was actually working with a foreign team and i wanted everything in-house so we just started from scratch we spent a lot of time investigating the influencer space setting up test stores working with influencers monitoring the sales seeing if you needed their logos on it like we did test 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 
and and then we realized that the brands are a key piece of this. Well, just in that experimentation, we built uh, this Lincoln Bio concept, which was so funny. We had that fully working back in 2017, um, and you know, and now it's a whole industry. I mean, Lincoln. yeah, like I think it's link LincolnBio.com. <laughs> Yeah, we had uh, we ours was called curated by, and the concept was just again we're looking for a major company, and we just didn't feel like that was the the multi billion dollar. Um, yeah, it, yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah, um, it was a very cool. Uh, it turned out to be a very cool space, but not not critically important to us. The same with influencers; you don't really hear influencer companies selling for billions of dollars. That doesn't really happen. Um, so. We, but commerce companies, that's interesting. Finance companies, that's interesting. Yes. So, um, so that's basically why we kept sort of working and working and working. And it, it turned out that the, the BDB piece is where it started to get really interesting. And it also attracts in the influencers because you're, you're, you're collaborating with brands. And, and yeah, that's where the money is for sure. Yeah. There's no part doubt. Of it, I, I explain this to uh, entrepreneurs as um, it's, it's, as far as investing, you know, raising money goes, um, that it's your job to find the gold seam in the ground. Like you prospect, 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 find the gold seam. Then that's the time you call the investors. Sorry. Um, so if you call the investors, then you, you know, it's their job to bring in heavy equipment to get that gold out of the ground as fast as possible because you found it. And, um, and that's really, that's really the way this works, right? Is find it and then bring them in. And so, um, you know, it, the sky's the limit when you do that. Um, and, and I, I say e-commerce to me, is just, there's so many opportunities. It's, it's mind blowing. Um, <laughs> it I, certainly, I, it, it certainly seems that way. It's just yeah. accelerating. So David, thanks so much for being on the show. This has just been, this has been such a fascinating conversation. I just love what you guys are doing. I mean, anything that helps brands and folks, you know, work together and grow together without having to waste their money on ads. I'm not a big ads guy. Just that's just full stop. Um, I'll always try to like get rid of those, but you know, they're, they have, they're necessary evil at times, but yeah, in today's new world, I don't, it's going to be harder and harder. So if you're a marketer and you're a brand you need to gang together and work with brands that are going to amplify each other. And it sounds like what you're doing at Caro is like the perfect thing for that. So thanks so much for being on the show. This is so, so awesome. Everyone check out uh, getcaro.com. Yeah. If you, if you, um, if you're a Shopify brand that, that is, uh, you, you need to be of course selling things in a, in a reasonable volume. But um, uh, if you install Caro, please email us at hello at getcaro.com and tell us uh, that you heard this podcast and we will take really good care of you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Thanks so much, David, for being on the show. Wow. What a eclectic, <laughs> I guess would be the word, uh, journey you've been on, but so cool to see uh, you uh, trying to figure out how to, you know, bridge the gap between brands and influencers and kind of eliminating the middleman, I guess, or I don't know how to put it, but anyway, really cool stuff. Uh, really appreciated the conversation. Now, as promised, here are the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with David. Go where there is opportunity and action. David did this physically, moving to where there were opportunities, as well as harnessing opportunities when they came along to work with brands. Quote, unquote, there are so many opportunities in e-commerce, David says. And yeah, I think he's right. I think we're just at the start, you know, especially with his influencers. Everything's sort of moving more and more towards people need to build their own brand, have their own customers. You're seeing this with all the privacy stuff now with the elimination of cookies and the tracking and, you know, opting in for all these sort of things. So yeah, you really do need to ask questions now as a brand, you know, how am I going to interact directly with my customers? How am I going to build a better brand? How am I going to really have that direct connection with the customer? I think that's going to be key moving forward. One key question David always asks is, how could someone beat this? He looks at the potential in the future for what something could become, what a competitor might do and work towards it. For example, he sees that eventually all media will be streamable. And one of his companies 
built a way for PlayStation games to be played through the cloud. So a very interesting idea. I, I never think of it this way, but I like I like the way David put it. Um, go towards where the disruption is, I think is the way I put it. So if you see a macro trend or if inevitably that's going to go this way, then, you know, try to build something towards that and, you know, ask the questions of, like he said, where's the disruption going to be? How could someone beat this? Um, where are the intersections of different industries going to come together? You know, internet and media, you know, if they didn't have high speed internet, you couldn't stream media, right? So those are great questions to kind of think about. David's advice to entrepreneurs is that their job is to find the gold. That's the point where you bring in the investors so they can help, quote unquote, dig up the gold. And uh, yeah, I mean, God, such an interesting way to think about it because he's right. You have to go hunt for where that rich vein of gold is going to be or the idea or the market or whatever, and then work it until it gets to the point where, okay, now we got to bring in the heavy machinery. Now, now you may or may not ever need venture capital, but I mean, it's important to think in those terms. So I think you got to ask yourself the questions, you know, where am I going to go find these opportunities? How am I going to dig them up and figure out and validate them? Because a lot of times ventures like, well, is this really even going to work? So one of the things really I think is important is how do you validate that you actually found the vein of gold, right? So there you have it. The actionable insights I learned from my awesome interview with David. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.